Welcome to 21ism.com, Sound Culture Renaissance. We curate, craft and amplify Bitcoin-inspired creativity. We do this through art, design, word, code, music, video and memes. Featuring in the music block this month is a man who needs little introduction. A British rapper and musician about to release his sixth uh, independent album, author, podcaster, public speaker, Oxford graduate, personal responsibility advocate, Bitcoiner, women's weightlifting world record holder, and free speech and freedom maximalist. Um, he's been on Rogan, The Ruben Report, The Ben Shapiro Show, and, and now, of course, to top it all off, he's here with us on 21ism.com. Mining this block is me, Badders, and let me start by quoting a lyric from his song Underrated. Subi's an original amongst their thousand sequels. Thanks for being here, Subi. I'm pumped we're doing this. Happy to be here, man. That's a beautiful intro. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I could have added many more things there, but um, I thought I'd keep it uh, relatively short. For those who don't know you, I'm sure that's not many Bitcoiners, but tell us a little bit about where you are, how your, what your journey has been so far, and how you come to be where you find yourself today. Yeah, sure thing. So I... I won't bother fully introducing myself again because you've done a wonderful job of that. But yeah, I'm Zubi. I am British born, Saudi Arabia raised, family background original, originally from Nigeria, was in a, the American school system for about seven years of my life. So if you're hearing my voice wondering why I don't sound like a typical Englishman, then that is why. I studied at Oxford University. I did computer science there. When I was there, I started rapping in my first year, released my first album in my second year of university. Um, fast forwarding a little bit, I've now been a full-time self-employed musician since November 2011, and I've added extra strings to the bow over time. I now run my own podcast called Real Talk with Zuby. I wrote and released my first book in 2019 called Strong Advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody, which has sold thousands of copies all around the world, 100% independently. And, um, yeah, there's, I, I've skipped through a whole bunch of stuff there to keep it concise. But I mean, if you want any more detail on any aspect of that, then that's what it is. And uh, these days people just know me for a lot of different reasons. Of course, there are people who know me primarily as a musician, as a rapper. There are people who know me for my socio-political commentary or just my tweets, which get gigantic reach doing over well over a billion impressions a year now. Wow. Um, there are people who know me from YouTube or from interviews I've done either that's on my own podcast or on some of the other platforms that you mentioned. Um, I do a ton of interviews. I do public speaking. So I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a jack of all trades at all, but I've probably got four or five main things that I do and different people, very diverse range of different people all over the world know me for some or all aspects of that. So that's mm -hmm. me. 
Well, I, I can't remember who said it, but um, someone said specialization is for insects. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I find myself, uh, you know, realizing the whole time is when you have so many sort of peripheral interests all the time and rabbit holes to explore it's very difficult to just narrow it down to just one thing but to focus in on your your music you, you've got um as I, as I mentioned in the intro um your sixth uh independent album being released uh, on the on the 18th of june i believe um i don't know that re- i don't know the release date just yet actually i haven't set a release date yet okay yeah. Well, scrap that. Um, but soon, <laughs> any, but, but soon anyway. But how did your how did you find music to begin with? Uh, how how far back does that go? And and what in the name of uh, the good Lord possessed you to pursue a career in a notoriously different difficult industry, one that I've been in myself for fifteen mm-hmm. twenty years? Um, let alone go completely independent. Sure. So going back, I didn't used to like music as a kid. (laughs) I didn't really start listening to music until I was 11 or 12 years old. Funnily enough, I did play a couple instruments. I played piano from the age of around five or six. I used to do recitals and stuff like that even. So I was pretty good at piano. And then I also played trombone for a year or two when I was in fifth grade. So like nine, 10 years old. And then when I went to boarding school in the UK, I went to boarding school at the age of 11. Uh, So from that age, I was back and forth between the two countries, the UK and Saudi Arabia, multiple times a year. And I fell in love with hip hop during my boarding school years, got really, really into it as a teen, sort of in the, you know, I don't mind, I don't mind aging myself, um, sort of early 2000s, really, really, really got into it. But it wasn't until I went to university when I started rapping. So I wrote my first lyric when I was traveling. I was going from the UK to Nigeria, and I had a really long layover, like a 24-hour layover in Paris. And I was by myself. I was bored. I didn't have much to keep me entertained. I just had my MP3 player, and um, I had like a notepad. And I just started jotting down lyrics. I just started writing some raps, sort of seeing if I could write my own verses. So I did that, and then I just started recording acapella verses into my phone. And then during that vacation in Nigeria, I was just playing them to some of my family, my my parents, my siblings, my cousins, just, hey, look, I, I recorded a rap. What do you think of this? And then I got back to university and one of my friends named Chris actually had a basic recording setup in his dorm room. So I used to go in there. I'd download beats off the internet. This is back when soundclick.com was the main place to get instrumentals and all that. So I used to go on that website, download instrumentals, and then I would just write songs and rap over them. The very first song I made was a track called The Bad Man, which is why to this day, a lot of my university friends still call me that. They call me The Bad Man. That's (laughs) kind of my nickname because it was the first song that I ever made. And so I put together a little demo and you know, I was just playing my stuff to people. And then after I'd been rapping for a while, I had enough songs together. I had enough good songs together to put what was my first album together. It was sort of a long EP slash short album. It was an eight track album. I called it Commercial Underground. And I released that when I was 19 years old. Put that out just totally independently, went online, learned how to get CDs made and all of that. And I just made 50 copies to begin with. And I sold all 50 copies in about a week. And I was like, okay, cool. People are willing to pay me for my music. So perhaps this is something I can do as more than a hobby. So I took that money, I reinvested it, made another couple hundred CDs, 
I sold those, reinvested again. I started doing gigs and live shows, started getting positive reviews locally. And eventually I started venturing out beyond Oxford. I started going to London. I used to sell my CDs in central London and Leicester Square, Oxford Street, those sort of areas. And I eventually got to the stage where I was just going all over the UK. This is now after I graduated, where I was just going all over the UK doing gigs, hustling on the street, selling my CDs, just building up my fan base one person at a time. Um, at this time, a lot of the social media platforms were still in their infancy. MySpace was the biggest one at the time that I started making music. And then Facebook came in in 2004, although the pages features didn't come out until much later. And then I just started growing my name like that. Um, I So after I graduated, I did music full-time for one year. I already had a job offer from um, a management consulting company. So after that one year of doing that full time, I moved to London and I started working in the corporate world for several years. I worked there for three years while still juggling my music stuff on the side. And then, like I said, in 2011, I just made a decision. I made a firm decision that, okay, by the end of 2011, I want to be a full-time musician. I'm going to, I'm going to leave this job and I'm going to go and pursue, I'm going to go and pursue this. And so November, 2011, that happened. I got promoted in September, 2011 handed in my notice after I got promoted because that was like one thing I wanted to, I just wanted to kind of tick that off for some reason. And then I left and yeah, it's been almost 10 years now from that time period. There've been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of struggles, but stuff really started to bear fruit for me properly in 2019. 2019, of course, I had that deadlift video, which went, which went viral and introduced literally millions of people to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was very strange that of all the things that I've done, all the effort I've put into different things, all the gigs, tours, music videos, all this stuff that I've really put effort into and, you know, put, put effort and money into and really grinded with, it ended up being a, a silly flippant nine second video with some funny commentary that ended up being the thing that launched me to all of these new people. But then off of the back of that, people discovered my music and people discovered, oh, okay, this guy's actually interesting. He has more to offer than just a a one-off deadlift video. So that led to bigger opportunities. Of course, I had the chance to go on a lot of mainstream avenues, BBC, Sky News, Fox News, et cetera. Got invited to go on the Joe Rogan podcast, the Rubin Report, the Ben Shapiro show, like some of the biggest podcast platforms in the world. Spent three months out in the USA in 2019. And from that catalyst moment back in early 2019, my audience has just grown so significantly. To give an idea, I mean, when I tweeted that, when I tweeted that deadlift video, I had 18,000 followers. And it had taken me 10, it had taken me 10 years to to reach that 18,000 followers. As of today, as I speak, I have 405,000 followers on Twitter. Um, That's not even mentioning the other platforms. So to give you an idea of the scale of growth in the past two years, um, that, that, that's a, a pretty good indicator of what it's been like all around. Mm-hmm. Well, it might have been a novelty introduction, but you know, had there been no substance, right? Had there been nothing to, to, to there, then um, obviously there would have been no growth. But w- w- what's interesting to me um, is that all of your, all of your music has been independently released your book has been independently released um you practice one of these rare uh things uh in in today's world independent thought uh where does this independence come from is that from 
as you were saying, going to boarding school at 11? Um, is it just being a bit sort of contrarian in nature or self-confident? Is it something in your family background? Um, yeah. Where does it come from? Um, I think most of the above. I think a lot of stuff is my natural personality, just my, my natural wiring. Since I was a child, I've always been very independent-minded. I've always been, I wouldn't say contrarian, but just a, a critical thinker. I'm not someone who does things just because other people are doing them. If other people are doing it and it makes sense, happy to go along, of course. If other people are doing it and it doesn't make sense to me and I don't understand it, or I just don't think it's a good idea, then I'm not going to do it. I don't care how many other people are doing it. I will be that one person in the room saying no while the other 99 are saying yes, right? If I don't want to do it, I won't do it. Um, and that kind of runs in all directions. So that's part of it. I'm sure that my experience spending so much time, so much of my childhood and my formative years being actually away from my parents and being in a whole different country from them and having to learn how to, how to just deal with that. Um, I think that's certainly a factor as well. Um, so I, I think it's a combination of the two. I don't know how much of it is sort of directly from my family. Like, you know, I'm from a, you know, everyone in my family is intelligent and successful, but I'm, I'm kind of the only one who's wired the way that I'm wired. Um, so it's hard to pinpoint exactly all of it, but I think there are various aspects of it. And then of course, the experience also makes you more like that. So the fact that I've had to carve my own path out, or I haven't even had to, I've chosen to, right? I could have taken a much easier path. As I mentioned, I did used to work in the corporate world and I made a conscious decision. I don't want to be here. I want to leave. I want to create my own thing. I'm going to take a 60, 70% pay cut or whatever to go and pursue my own thing and build my own thing independently because I want to have an impact on the world. Uh, my, my, my goals and my aspirations are far beyond the average person's, far, far, far beyond the average person's. I want to really make a dent on this world. I mean, I've already done it to a degree. Like I've already made a significant impact on a significant number of people, but I want to maximize that. I want to help inspire, motivate as many people as I can using my God-given talents. In fact, I feel like that's my ethical duty. I feel like that's why I'm on this earth that's my purpose. My purpose was not to sit in an office and cool, earn a good salary, but not do anything that anyone is really going to remember when I die. My purpose is to use my talents, abilities, experiences, my brain, everything that I do have, take all of that and create the best music that I can and reach as many people with it as I can, write the best books that I can and reach and help as many people as I can put out my words, whether it's on YouTube or Twitter or this podcast or Instagram, whatever it is, I have all of this potential and it's my ethical duty to use it to make the world a better place and to make people better in a true sense. So that's also why I'm obsessed with self-improvement, whether it's going to the gym or it's reading books or it's learning new skills, because the better person I can become, the more people who will be inspired by that, but also the more I can, the more I can help people with me. It's all about people. The reason I got into music was about people. It's not just that I, I do love being creative and I do love doing what I love for a living, 
but I'm very motivated by other people. Like I'm very, ins- I just, I think every, everyone in the world is connected now more than ever. Like it's never been so clear how you can be in one part of the world. You can be in one city, in one country, and you can be impacting and influencing and inspiring people very literally all over the world. I was looking through my book sales the other day. My book has now been bought by people in 62 different countries. So that's wow. just an idea mm-hmm. I had in my head, right? I was like, okay, I've been going to the gym for half of my life. I know a lot about nutrition and training and all of that. And hey, how many people are there in the world who would like to have a better body or who would like to have more energy or who would like to be stronger, et cetera? Billions, right? Um, And as we know, in the West, people are struggling with that. We have very high obesity rates, et cetera. Um, So I was like, hey, well, I've been through that battle myself, right? I've been through that. I've been through various weight loss stages and struggling in the gym to get stronger and to build muscle, whatever. So I've learned all these tricks and trades. It's like, it is selfish for me to not share that with people. And also by sharing that with people, I can also make a product, right? I can just say, okay, you know what? I'll sell this thing for $30, $40 and people who want it can get it. So to me, I love that. I love that with music as well. It's like, you're taking something that's just in your head and then you're taking it from your brain to a product which people can hold and touch and listen to or read and use. And to me, that that's like magic. I, I love that. I, I love repeating that process every time I have a new album, when I wrote my book, even if I do a podcast, whatever it is, it's just this is just going from your brain and you're like transmitting it around the world to all these other people, whether it's entertainment or it's information, et cetera. And I'm blessed to be in a position where I have the ability to do that and to do that well. So I have to. And it's it's nice, right? Uh, I mean, every trade in my book should should uh, you should aim for it to be a win win. So the fact that uh, both parties are benefiting is great. Mm-hmm. And it, it, in terms of being um, uh, sharing your platform for 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 good and um, um. You know, we we need people more now more than ever to be positive influences and to speak out. And it's been it's been a mad it's been a mad five or or, or six years, right? Uh, one that seems to have come to a bit of a peak in the last eighteen months. Um, for you, it has culminated in your new album, Word of Zuby. Um, mm-hmm. It's a time, maybe more so than maybe longer than just the last 18 months, but it's a time that has clearly informed your output. Um, but how do you go about distilling years of madness into like 13 little three-minute-something chapters? Um, and what what's your uh, process from inspiration to writing and producing, recording, everything? Yeah, so... I do. I write in bursts. I'm not somebody who writes all year round. There are some musicians who write every day or every week and they just have a writing habit. I actually don't. Sometimes I wish I did, but I've learned and I've just accepted that's not really the way I work. I live my life. I experience things. Things happen in the world. I grow. I develop. I mature. And each album is a snapshot of where I am at that moment in time and what's been happening leading up to it. So if you listen to a previous album, you'll see, okay, this is where I was in 2011. This is where I was in 2009, et cetera. This is where I was in 2018. And so 
my process is to live my life. And then when I feel like, okay, I, there's so much there that I need to get this out. I mean, it, it drip feeds out there on Twitter. Anyone, anyone, <laughs> anyone who follows me will be, will be aware of that, right? I'm constantly sharing ideas or questions or just thoughts that pop up in my brain. That's how, that's how it is. It's very, um, for me, Twitter is very spontaneous, but with music, it's like, okay, I have all of this stuff stored up now. And then with this album in particular, I, I went to Romania, I wrote the album in Bucharest. So I just went there and I was just writing several songs a week. I was just waking up in the morning. Um, I mostly blocked out other things and I just, I just wrote, um, I got the beats. I tend to write to the beats, so I'll get the instrumentals first from various producers before I start writing the songs. But once I had all the beats that I, I knew I needed and wanted, I just sit down and it flows. It flows. I just think and I write. And once I'm in the groove of it, once I'm in that mind state, then it just goes. And we know when it stops going, if I get you know so-called writer's block, I just I just stop writing and I go do other things and I live life and it sort of keeps running and processing in the background. And then I'll come back and like, oh yeah, that's the lyric that I want. That's the punchline I want, whatever it is. And that's really my writing process. There's no, I don't know. There's nothing, um, there's no, there's no super secret to it. I think if you are an interesting person and you live an interesting life and you have an interesting take on the world, then the talent of an artist is to be able to take that and turn it into art, whether it's music, a film, a book, comedy, whatever it is, that's really the power of the artist. And I think for any artist, it's probably a bit difficult to perfectly explain their creative process, because if you're a creative person, you're just wired that way. So it just comes out like that. I mean, even, even with something as simple as Twitter, which is not musical at all, I get a lot of people asking me like, man, how do you, how do you tweet the way you do? Like, It's always very concise and punchy and impactful, et cetera. It's just like, that's just how I, it's how I think it's, uh, it's, it's actually, Twitter is a funny thing. Cause I think it's actually quite similar to rapping. <laughs> it's sort of the same. It uses the same muscle. It uses the same mm -hmm. sort of, for me, they come kind of from the same place. In and fact, it's about I, the hook. It's about the hook as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's about take, taking a big idea and just condensing it and making it concise and saying in a sh few short words or a couple sentences, taking something that's actually quite profound and putting it in there. I mean, especially in hip hop, but in all genres of music, you know, there are certain lyrics which strike you and it's because something very profound was said in a very sh short number of words, right? Mm -hmm. So just, just that short lyric, that little bar is, is very simple, but actually it's very complicated and deep as well. Like you could take that one line and that one line, you can have a whole, you know, you could do a whole two hour podcast on that one line and what it means and where it came from, etc. Musical memes. Yes, literally. Yeah. So let me let me play a snippet from your song. Hallelujah. Yo, if God is walking with me, then I don't care where the devil is. Hell will come upon us if we all forget where heaven is. They say good is evil and the Bible is irrelevant. But if we turn and start to hate our rivals, then the devil wins. Now they're trying to claim the most important thing is melanin. Keep us at each other's throats, they love it cause we never win. Say that men are toxic cause they're trying to make us feminine. And lie to make us sick so they can sell the cure as medicine. Sell the cure as medicine. 
there is a lot to unpack here, but <laughs> it, it's a it's perfect testimony to to what we're seeing, what we have been seeing. Um, the call to strong men to walk a path of principle and moral conviction, um, the war on truth, the culture war, and uh, finally the war on science. Mm-hmm. Expand, even if it might be difficult, um, on what you've been seeing. Uh, that is sort of captured in 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 those in that in those bars there. Yeah, well, I think you were saying before that over the past five or six years, particularly in the Western world, there are there are a lot of concurrent agendas running. There are a lot of people, you know, wherever they are on the sort of socio political spectrum, most people are aware that okay, the the past five six years have haven't been totally normal. Things have been more polarized. It seems more divisive. It seems like more people are angry and sad and depressed and fearful. It seems like there are different narratives. There's a gender. There are multiple gender narratives going on. Whether that's pitting men and women against each other, whether that's saying men and women don't even exist and are not real categories, or that they need to be redefined and anyone can identify as anything. Whether that is this narrative of, oh, we're living in some age of white supremacy and uh you know black people are being this and the police are just murdering black people in america and racism is despite being at an all-time low it's they're trying to sell it like it's at an all-time high and there are all these different narratives going on which are very divisive and you said the war on reality there is a war on reality going on and there's also an inversion there's also an inversion that's why i say um, they say that good is evil, right? It's there are certain people who seem to be pushing this various notions that good is evil and evil is good, or good is totally subjective and it's just about your truth and your lived experience, and you know nothing is really good, nothing is really bad. It's just whatever you feel, etc. So there's a man. I don't even know where to go with breaking that line down. That's why I love being an artist because. You can, like I said, you, you can say so much in such a short space of time, but that that's, there's a lot, there's a lot in those, there's a lot in those bars. So it's sort of highlighting the fact that I have, I'm witnessing all of this and I'm kind of calling out what is being done, right? People are being set at each other's throats. People are being intentionally divided along gender lines, racial lines, sexuality lines, etc. And there's this alternate reality which is being created and being pushed, which, to be honest, does not really reflect the real world, right? Like in the real world, certainly in the West in 2021, most people get on with each other, right? Most people get on with each other. If you were just to sit there and watch the news or spend time in certain circles on social media, you would think that, oh my gosh, like, black and white people are like fighting each other in the streets and there's all of this racism and this rampant sexism and rampant homophobia and transphobia and all these phobias and isms, et cetera. And it's just everywhere and people are awful and whatever. And I think that appeals to people because there's always, there's a kernel of truth to, to pretty much everything, right? So all of these isms and phobias do exist, but compared to the majority of the world or compared certainly to history, I'd say all of them, all of them. If you live in the UK, you live in the USA, Western Europe, uh, New Zealand, Canada, America, all these things are at an all time low, right? Otherwise, 
Otherwise, we wouldn't really be able to exist. I mean, if you go to any city, right, go to any city, whether it's London or it's Paris or it's New York or Los Angeles, you just see all sorts of people, like diversity of everything, everywhere, getting on. People aren't just fighting each other. Like everything is cool. But then you kind of turn on TV or you go on certain parts of social media and it's just whoa, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like, whoa, what's, go, what's going on here? And it doesn't really reflect the real world. And if you spend a lot of time on it, as someone like myself, of course, does, you know, I do use social media a lot because it's part of my work. Um, but also, I think, especially over the past year and a half, more people have been using it because of lockdowns, et cetera. So more and more people are living in this sort of alternate reality. And it does have real world effects, which is sad. I mean, over the past several years, we've seen people I'm sure I'm sure you've heard stories of uh, you know families and friends breaking up and splitting up and getting divided because one of them voted for Trump and one of them didn't or one of them voted for Brexit and somebody else didn't or one person likes BLM and the other person doesn't or one person supports lockdowns and masks and the other person doesn't whatever it's like there are all these different wedges which are being used I think intentionally by the powers that be, certain politicians, certain people in the media, et cetera. And they're intentionally seeing where these little fault lines are. And then they're just like grabbing them and, and ripping them apart. And I think it affects everybody to some degree, but I think that there are some people who are just very, very uh, vulnerable to that. And as a result, they'll be willing to, you know, throw away a 15 year relationship basically because the media manipulated them to believe that their friend is now evil, right? Their friend went and voted for Trump or in the UK, they were, their friend voted for Brexit. So despite the fact you, you've had a 15-year relationship with this person, you know they're not racist, you know they're not xenophobic, you know they're not hateful, you know they're not evil, but the man on TV basically told you that, hey, all these Trump supporters, you know, Trump is the next Hitler, so all Trump supporters by default are evil and they're white supremacists, etc. And then you have people who just hear that and they're like, oh my gosh, like I need to cancel 30% of my friends now. And people are really doing that. And it's sad. You're seeing it now happening again with this whole um, post-pandemic situation. You're seeing it happening. You know, I've, I've had people DMing me over the last couple of weeks saying, you know, my parents said that I can't visit because I haven't been vaccinated. You know, they've been vaccinated, but I haven't. And so my parents said that they don't want me to come visit. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> you know, and that's media manipulation right? That is people being played by the media. And it's sad that there are people who are even susceptible to that. It, it's a shame how effective it is, um, but it happens. And with the position I have and the platform I have, it's interesting because I'm privy to a lot of people's personal stories, <laughs> which is uh, which is weird, but it's interesting. I think because of all the stuff I talk about, a lot of people feel very comfortable sort of sharing like quite personal stories with me, just like, oh, Zuby, like, this thing happened with me and my girlfriend, or like I had this happen, or, you know, like I was just, this thing happened in my school, this happened in my university and my workplace. Like I want to talk about this, but how can I do it, et cetera. And it can be overwhelming, but it's also interesting because you're just seeing certain patterns and things that are happening. And some of them are positive trends. Some of them are negative trends. Some of them are very inspiring. Some of them are deeply concerning. Um, but it's interesting to be privy to all that. But it, but it does at the same time, I, I completely agree with what you're saying, but at the same time, it does feel like we're in a time where it's more and more important to actually take a, 
a stand where it's more and more important to be principled, to 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 search for truth and to stand mm-hmm. by truth and to fight for it. Um, and it's also very sort of paradoxical and ironic times in the sense that, you know, uh, we've sort of been encouraged to have this uh, crazy obsession with health and safety and by trying to make everything more healthy, more safe for everyone, we're doing the the reverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in, in a world that is obsessed with hate crimes, um, the vilification of anyone who dares to question the the sort of accepted narrative is is actually state sponsored, right? Yes, uh, state sponsored hate against its critics. Um, uh, where where does where does that end? It depends on the people. It always depends on the people. This is something that certainly over the past eighteen months I've been I've been saying very very strongly, but. It's always down to the people, man. Um, people decide how much they take. People decide what narratives they want to follow or not follow. People, you know, and and it's it's hard because I'm aware that there are very different personalities out there. Um, as I as, as I said at the beginning of the interview, I've always from childhood I've been always been someone who's quite hard to influence, right? Like I I'm, I influence a lot more than I am influenced, and. Maybe that has its pros and cons, but certainly a big pro is that you're far more resilient to any type of groupthink or brainwashing or propaganda or whatever it is. Number one, because you're cognizant that it exists, right? A lot of people aren't even aware at the levels that they are manipulated, right? I'm totally aware of the fact that every day, every moment I spend on Twitter or YouTube or I don't watch TV. I got rid of my TV 12 years ago. Um, but if I do watch TV or I'm watching, I'm, I'm very cognizant of the fact that this does have an effect on me, right? This is shaping to some degree my beliefs and my biases and what I think of the world, et cetera. So at least the first step is being aware that that even happens. And a lot of people are blissfully unaware of it, right? They watch the news. They think the news is objective and it's straight down the line and there's no agenda and there's no misinformation ever and there's no disinformation. And if they tell you that Trump is racist and he's a white supremacist, then he is, period, right? If they tell you that you should be terrified of COVID and you should do this and you should do that, they believe it, period. They don't question it. You just put expert says in front of it or scientists say, and they go and they run off and they follow it like, uh, you know, and and there, there are just people who are like that, which is which is scary to me, <laughs> which is, which is scary, but that that's just how a large percentage of people are, you know, to give a little bit more credit, you know, also people are, people are busy, right? So people have their trusted sources and the news is a considered a trusted source when it comes to medical information. You know, there are certain trusted sources. If it comes from the CDC, it's magically true. Even if it's totally different from what they said a month ago, if they say it, then it's true, you know? So when they told people not to wear masks, that was the science, right? That's that's the fact. That's it. People follow it. Boom. Then it doesn't matter that three months later they come out and say, "Oh no, you have to wear." It, and then people just boom. They, they, those those people they just switch, right? Um, despite the fact that someone like me is like, "Okay, well, they're either they were either wrong or lying at some point here, right?" And so that already makes them a less trustworthy source. But also, wait, hang on, let's think critically. Which one was the truth? Was the truth when they said, "If you're healthy." And if you're healthy, then there's no benefit to wearing a mask. Was that the truth? Or is the truth that even if you're healthy, you should still wear a mask, even if you're outside, even if you're vaccinated? 
I personally think that the first time they were telling the truth, <laughs> right? But then there will be people who believe the latter, and now they're calling me the one who doesn't believe the science because, you know, oh, well, and they'll say, oh, the science changed. And I'm like, well, did it? Did the science change or did the agenda change? Right. And most people don't even ask those sort of questions. That's really what sort of separates people who I'd consider sort of free thinkers or critical thinkers from those who aren't really. Um, and so that's the situation. And, you know, sometimes stuff like this doesn't really matter, but sometimes the stakes are high. And I would say right now, over the past 16 months, we've been living through a, a situation where the stakes, the stakes have been very high, right? The stakes are high. They, they still are, even though in most countries, the so-called pandemic is essentially over. Um, it's essentially over. I mean, in the UK, it, it's, it's done, right? It's done, but people don't even want to get out of that mentality. Now people are still running around outside with masks on, et cetera, despite the fact that like it, it's, it's, it's over here and people don't want it to be over, which is, uh, which is very weird. Some people do, some people don't, but I think a lot of people have formed their identity around this thing now and they, they've found their meaning and their purpose in it. And they've also found that almost like a weird sense of morality in it. Cause they can yell at the people who are not following the rules as well as they are. And they feel this sort of sense of righteousness, et cetera. So we've been living in a really, really weird time, but I think, you know, and I don't think, I mean, I know this has been a, a gigantic, uh, threat to civil liberties and basic human rights and freedoms and the whole concept of a free society. I mean, the powers that be, again, politicians and media in particular, have really seized this opportunity to flex their power and flex their propaganda and just do things that, I mean, there's stuff going on in pretty much every country, which if just literally, if at the beginning of last year, you told people that the NHS in the UK and the CDC in America are going to be putting out public advice on how and when you should hug your family members, right? Or, <laughs> or, or, or telling people that when they, when they, you know, what they can and can't, like we're talking basic things like leaving your house or going to a shop or how to seeing a friend, how to, right? If you told people that literally January 20, 2020, if you told people that that would be a thing, if you told people there would be people running around on the internet and in real world trying to force injections upon people um, just for them to be able to participate in general society. If you told people that it would be illegal to leave your house in certain countries and certain cities, if you told people that they were going to close all of the gyms for month on ends in the name of public health, <laughs> if you, <laughs> there have been so many things that if you told people that so they're going to be offering, they're going to be offering cheeseburgers and hot dogs and doing million dollar rallies, sorry, million dollar lotteries, um, in exchange for people getting injected with a foreign substance, you just feel like, what are you offering what cheeseburgers are you even for talking health? About? <laughs> you just be like, what, what are you, what are you even talking about? But this, this is where we are. You know, this is mm. where we are. Um, people here in the UK are like, you know, sitting here waiting to find out when they're, when they can legally go on holiday. I mean, like it sounds so dystopian, but it's happened so quickly. So that's why on that particular issue, that's why I've been very vocal about it because it's like, okay, the stakes are high here, guys. Like if, if you actually want to live in a remotely free society, um, like let's not pretend that we've been doing that for the past year and a half because we have not, right? But 
and the fight's not over, right? Don't think that just because the you know the, the 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 pandemic itself might be over, but don't think that those people who have gained power and money and control over this past year and a half don't think that they're all going to be so quick to let go of that, right? Don't think that they're going to be quick to let go of it because that's just not how things work. And we know that there can be things that the government says are temporary. I mean, remember all those temporary counterterrorism measures that came in place in airports and stuff like that, which we still have 20 years now after um, 9-11. So if people do want to get their freedoms back and they do value liberty, which clearly a lot of people do not, then you know the, the fight and the pressure has to continue. More people do need to speak out. Otherwise, you know, I always say the government will take, you know, they'll take whatever you give. Mm-hmm. But it, I, th- I think it takes waking up first, right? It's, it, it seems like too many people have outsourced critical thinking, you know, and, and, and maybe that's a product of, of the sort of state schooling uh, over decades. But, you know, even now I know, I know boomers, medical professionals, you know, doctors that are lacks so much intellectual curiosity even within their own field that they're willing to buy all this shit just because um because it's being fed to them but um mm-hmm. this is a good time to pl- to play another uh, another clip this is from uh, your song from the new album live it up Everyday climb for the everyday shine Started off broke mean an everyday grind If you're not sharp you live everyday blind So you gotta be smart not an everyday mind Never feel lost and you can't be a winner Never be boss if you can't be beginner You can be blessed in the land of the sinner If you give and invest in the man in the mirror So one of the things I keep coming back to Is this dependency that we have allowed ourselves to have on the state um, in the process, we seem to have totally forgotten how to think independently and the importance of personal agency. Um, personal responsibility even has become a right-wing or even alt-right <laughs> concept if you, if, you, if you listen to some people, right? Uh, unfathomable. Mm. Um, so you're one of the crazies, right, that uh, seem to believe in empowering people rather than keeping them down. Um, tell, tell me a little bit about uh, what you're seeing out there in that regard and and um, and how you get people to start investing in and thinking for themselves. Yeah, man, where do I begin on that? I mean, first of all, I think we, again, we've been living in a time for a few years now where victimhood is currency. It's trendy to be some sort of victim or to have some kind of pathology almost. Um, and it's become quite countercultural, as you alluded to, to be somebody who promotes personal responsibility and autonomy and liberty and freedom and the fact that you are actually empowered, right? Don't rely on other individuals, don't rely on the state, don't rely on the media, the government, whatever it is, if you want to make your life better, that's up to you. Right. And that's that's always been that's always been the truth. It doesn't mean that nobody will support you or or that nobody should or anything like that. But if you this is part of why I love the gym. I love the gym. I love nutrition. I love training. I love it partly because it's such a perfect metaphor for this whole mentality, because you only eat for yourself. You're the only person who can exercise on your behalf. So whether your goal is to lose weight, lose fat, build muscle, get stronger, whatever your fitness or physique goal is, or you're training for a marathon, it doesn't matter what it is. 
it's on you. It's on you. And going to the gym is not even a team sport either. So it's not even something like, oh, you can have a great game and you still lose because the other team was just better or your team wasn't playing well. There are just no, there are no, there are very few valid excuses, right? If you want to lose weight, like I can give you all the information. I can, I can write a whole book for you, but ultimately you control what you put in your mouth. You control how much your body moves, et cetera. And I apply that. I mean, that, that applies to everything. If you can adopt it in that area and you apply it to other areas, relationships, finances, um, your career, building your network, whatever it is that's important to you, your, your relationship with, uh, you know, your religion or your spirituality, whatever it is, it's on, it's on you. And I think that scares a lot of people. The reason why I think victimhood mentality and and keep in mind, victimhood mentality is different to actually being a victim of something, right? Um, I'm not saying, I, I think some people get this twisted sometimes, perhaps intentionally, right? There are people who are actual victims of things, right? And that's not saying, oh, like, you know, oh, you got a, you know, someone committed a crime against you or some horrible thing happened to you and I'm blaming you. No, but it's the mentality of I am totally just at the mercy of the world and other people or, oh, actually I can push the world and how, what my outcome is. I have, I have a large degree of control over that, right? Of course, we don't have control over absolutely everything, but the first step to success, I think, is controlling and managing the things that you can, right? The things that you can, and then, okay, yes, there's some random elements out there and you can't control everything. But again, even with those, you can control how you react to them. Bad things happen to everybody. We all suffer. We're all going to die. Right? We're all going to die, right? We're all going to get sick. We're all going to die. We're all going to see people around us die. All of our parents are going to die. All of our siblings are going to die. Everybody we love is going to die. Thanks, Bam. Real talk, like just facts, <laughs> right? We're all, we're all going to die, right? Life is sort of tragic in that sense. But we all, how you deal with those things and how you deal with that reality, you, you, that's where the, your control comes in, okay? So are you going to be that person who, when that bad thing does happen to you or to someone close to you, you use that as an excuse and an alibi to just be a failure for the next five years or for the rest of your life? Or do you frame that in a certain way where either you either just handle it or in fact, you're able to use it and transmute that energy into something positive. In fact, all the stuff I was just saying is one of the things that drives me the most. I get a lot of people like, man, how are you motivated? I'm like, I'm motivated because I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm motivated because I'm going to die. And so are you. And so are all of us. So I don't have time to be like, oh, you know what? Let me just like faff around for the next 10 years. It's like, no, man, like hopefully I get Too to live to do. No, no, there's too much to do. And tomorrow's not promised today. I've seen a lot of young people, family members, friends. I've seen a lot of people die way too early. I've seen that happen. Like many, most of us have seen that happen, right? Tragic things happen. 30 year olds do get cancer, right? Children do die of in car accidents, like horrible things happen in the world. And when you recognize that rather than it being something that depresses you, or makes you feel sad, you can actually transmute that into something that drives you and motivates you and be like, you know what? Okay, I got to go. I got to go even harder because I don't know how much time I have. I don't know how much time everybody else has. Uh, life is short, so let's make it good. Let me do the best that I can do, so on and so forth. All of that stuff really drives me. So 
I think if um, I think mindset is the most important thing, and whether someone has a negative mindset or a, a victim mindset, or they have a positive mindset and a victor mindset, that really wherever they currently are, it sets their trajectory. It totally sets their trajectory. So you could have someone who's you know currently currently broke, for example, or currently um, you know out of shape, but they have the right mentality and the right mindset then you know they're they're on the they're they're going to be on the right course as long as they they stay on that and they stick with it and they're doing the right actions they're going to end up successful right because that's just their trajectory whereas if you take someone who's at that same state but their mindset is the opposite then until they're able to shift that nothing else is going to change it all it all starts in the mind so that's something i also try to i try to push it's also why the first chapter in my book strong advice is all about mindset mindset and motivation because before I tell you, okay, this is how many calories you need to eat to gain weight or to lose weight, or this is how many reps you should do of this. Until we, and before all of that, it's like, okay, let's get your mind right, right? Because I don't, I don't like to, I don't, I don't like to put forward something that's just short term. If you want to get in shape and stay in shape, that's a lifetime commitment. Just like if you want to stay clean and smelling nice, you you have a shower and you brush your teeth, right? <laughs> and you do it you do it consistently. You don't brush your teeth just once, and you're like, okay, cool, like that's it. I brush my teeth, I'm done. It's like no, you do that twice a day, maybe even three times a day. You keep it up. So it's the same with training. If you want to stay, if you want to get in shape and stay in shape, you got to keep doing it with your nutrition. You got to be consistent. I don't like this idea of just oh, I'm going on a diet for four weeks, and you just sort of switch this button on and off. It's like, well, if you do that, that's why people start yo-yoing. They gain weight, they lose weight, mm-hmm. they gain weight, they lose weight. It's like, look, man, just be consistent with it as you are with these other things in life. And number one, it's, it's just easier to maintain, but also it's far more effective, it's far healthier, et cetera. So um, I've probably swayed off a little bit from the initial question there, but that's uh, those are my thoughts on that. No, that's, that's good. I mean, I suppose what I'm trying to narrow in on as well a little bit is, um, you know, all these inevitable um, events, um, death, disease, whatever that, that you that you mention, it seems like we have kind of gotten to a place in our culture where we a think we can wish it away almost, mm-hmm. or that we can regulate it away. And so, yes. like if we just if we just give the government uh, more power to do, uh, you know, to look after us, basically, then things will improve. But well, you can't regulate away car accidents, right? They're accidents. No. Um, and so to try to distill this a, a, a little bit further, let me play a clip from, from your song, Only a Man. Pain while they're getting so good Image of God, no describing as lesser Devil does dirt, we disguise it as pleasure People throw stones like despising is better I'm a diamond in dirt and I thrive under pressure Never push hate because I'd rather do love Think for myself with the crowd I don't budge I do not drink and I never do drugs But I got my own <laughs> So I'm, I'm going to try to frame this out a little bit So 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 apologies if I, um, if I get a bit too verbose here But um, to me a lot of these macro trends that we're talking about Um culturally politically they can be explained by a loss of our connection to nature mm-hmm. um a higher power food mm-hmm. health family death and life itself uh, like we were saying science has become a scientism of sorts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a scientific process has become an institution that now 
more than ever seems to rule us. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that is quantifiable is seen as manageable all of a sudden. We see ourselves as superseding nature. Yes. Uh, our human nature too. Um, as a result, we no longer need God or whatever spiritual equivalent you have. And in 1971, I don't know how familiar you are. I think most bit, sort of deep down the rabbit hole Bitcoiners, they know about 1971 and the Nixon shock where we severed our connection to gold, uh, God's money, um, the world's most ancient language, right? And and we began this fiat experiment. And so it strikes me as this loss of connection to nature and higher purpose seemed to have started in the 70s. This also happened to be when uh, Derrida, uh, uh, Foucault, uh, they mm-hmm. planted these seeds of postmodernism that we're now reaping these very questionable uh, fruits from. As a result of our, um, well, yeah, sort of as a, as a, as a as a result of all of that those events back then it seems like our moral and monetary tether is mm-hmm. is gone mm-hmm. it seems like we're missing a sort of moral lighthouse for humanity and and we've been filling this i think peterson calls it a god-shaped hole mm-hmm. with other things you know um that it had led us instead to this sort of depraved fiat culture and diseases of despair Mm-hmm. Um, how does this align with what you're seeing and how do you, we navigate these sort of choppy waters um, and um, in your optics how do we get back to sound morals and culture and a sense of purpose sure um, well firstly I think your analysis there is very spot on and I think it's interesting because I think a lot of critically thinking both religious and irreligious people over the past few years have actually had that realization. I've had a conversation with several people who would describe themselves as atheists or agnostics at best, who are quite recently starting to grow an appreciation for traditional religion. Whether or not they themselves actually believe in God is, an, is another question. Um, I have seen some people actually converted over the last few years. Um, I'm someone who's always believed in God. It's how I was raised. I was raised a Christian. And um, for me, it's it's been quite obvious for a while that these things are connected. There's something I tweeted on Twitter um, a year ago. I said, we keep looking for political solutions to spiritual realm problems and being surprised when it doesn't work, right? Which mm. is... You know, I think is I think is fairly profound, and I think that that is what is happening. I also think that something something I've been thinking along about a lot is that, and you've really seen it this past year and a half, is that human beings are inherently religious, right? Whether, even if someone is coming from this from like a purely scientific, atheistic, evolutionary perspective or whatever, even if that's all they believe, it's clear that human beings have even evolved to be religious, right? The vast majority of the people in the world are religious. Sure, religion is declining to some degree in the West, you know, specifically in the Anglosphere, but the vast majority of the world, people do believe in a higher power. And as you said, that is a tether, that is an anchor because there's all well, there's always going to be a higher power. That's the truth. So what you'll find is a lot of people who um and you've seen this, we've we've seen this over the centuries, right? 
a lot of people, and this is not everybody, but if um, God is removed from the equation, then what is then the highest power? In most cases, it's either the self or it's the state, right? There's a reason why communist regimes are not fond of religion, right? Because it's competition, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. If you can get people to stop worshiping God, it's a lot easier to get them to start worshiping the state. And so um, this is something people get a really touchy about, right? Because like, you know, you get people who are almost religious in their atheism. And anytime you suggest that, uh, you know, that they could have some religious tendencies, they don't like that. But it's just the truth. If you've seen the way people have been behaving over the past year and a half, especially like even with, with the masks, with the vac, like I compare the vaccinations to like baptism, right? It's like some form of secular baptism because people are behaving in ways that don't even make sense with it. You know, I've even heard, seen mm -hmm. people use the term unclean <laughs> for people who are, who, yeah, I've seen people use the term unclean for people who are not mm -hmm. vaccinated. I'm like, that is extremely religious. There are people who are, who wear the mask. There are millions of people who wear the mask, you know, purely for symbolic symbolic reasons and for group signaling and for tribal signaling. You can go on Twitter and Instagram and see Demo you know, Democrats or liberals saying like, yo, I wear my mask because I don't want people to think I'm a Republican, right? <laughs> and it's like, that's purely tribal signaling, right? That has nothing to do with um, a disease. So I think that, like, like I said, look, there's, there's always going to be something at the top of the hierarchy. So for someone who's religious, it's simple. It's God, right? God is the top of the hierarchy. So You've got individuals, you have families, you have countries, you have states, you have governments, whatever, but God is always the top authority, both in terms of morals and in terms of ultimate power. If you just logically, if someone takes that out, then what's now at the top? Is it just, is it just yourself and your brain and your body and your animalistic urges? Is it the science? Is it, is it, is it some sort of body or institution of scientists who are sort of on your side, who are just saying what they think is right? Is it, is it, the, is it the prime minister? Is it the, the government as a whole? Is it the president? Um, there's always got to be some critical race theory, all yeah, these that, other that, sort of things that fill that void, right? Exactly. There has to be something at the top. And also we know people seek meaning, people seek purpose, people seek a sense of morality, right and wrong. People seek community. And people do also like rituals. When I say rituals, that doesn't have to be religious. People do like ritualistic things. You know, music concerts can be ritualistic. Going to a sports match can be ritualistic. Uh, there are a lot of, you know, people do like, people do like rituals. People do like certain things that are just like, okay, this is just a thing we do. It's a certain tradition. It's something that happens. It could be, uh, you know, Christmas, I, like Christmas, you know, Christmas is a, is a religious holiday, but there are plenty of people who are not religious or who aren't Christians who celebrate Christmas or celebrate Easter because they like the tradition. They like the gift giving. They like having the tree. People do like having certain things that are familiar and comfortable and give a sense of meaning and purpose and something that's just, again, something that's bigger than you, something that's bigger than yourself. And so I think, um, I don't know exactly kind of what my conclusion here is, but my belief on it is, is fairly simple. I do believe that, um, you know, most human beings, I think there are exceptions, but I think it's a very small percent. You know, I think the majority of people are going to be, they're going to be religious about something, right? They could be religious just about religion itself, you know, their religion, whether they're Christian or Jewish or Muslim, whatever for people who are religious, like the, the answer there is kind of easy and obvious, but for those who aren't, um, in many, many cases, I would argue in a, in a majority of cases, there's, there's going to be 
there's often going to be something that supplants that. I think that's even when you get people who are like, um, you know, just w- even with politics, right? Politics can very easily start to replace that, you know, you said God-shaped hole for a lot of people. It can even be things like, you know, I've seen it happen with veganism or feminism. It's happened with this whole like COVID cult mentality. There, there are different things which can replace that, which provide some sense of meaning, purpose, community, right and wrong. Some of them even have concepts of original sin, right? You mentioned critical race theory earlier. That does have a concept of original sin. Yeah. You know, if you yeah. are a straight yeah. white yeah. male, then you essentially need to pay penance to for the fact that you are just inherently an oppressor, right? You're inherently you're, you're not you're not all created equal in this case, right? You are somehow you need to atone for this sin. And it's not enough for you to not just be racist. You have to be actively anti-racist. You need to be fighting against and trying to undermine the whole system, whether from the police to the governmental systems to your country itself mm-hmm. to what whatever it is. And again, that's you know, and it, and it's it's a dogma. It's a doctrine, right? It's it's and um it's, it's just a doctrine. You're not meant to question it. You are not meant to challenge it. Whatever. In fact, it's it's less flexible than a religion. You know, most religions. Um, of course, you know there can be religious people who are who are deeply intolerant and who are overzealous and who there's not much room for communication or dissent. But again, with anything, if someone is a is a critical thinker, um, I'm not someone who believes in God just because like I've never heard, you know, I've never considered the opposite, right? It's because no, no, like I've considered I've considered a lot of things and had a lot of very long conversations with people of different perspectives and um the world makes more sense to me with God existing than not. Like there's, there are rational reasons why I believe that there is a God, there is a higher power, there's a creator, et cetera. It's not just a, you know, I read the book, I read, I read the, I read the Bible and refuse to listen to anything else. Um, so, you know, I, man, I don't know. Human beings are complicated. This is, this is the truth. And human beings are extremely complicated. And I think the whole story of humanity and mankind is us trying to work out how to navigate through that and how to live best, you know, with spiritual codes and political codes and laws and social boundaries and family structures and whatever it is like humanity is an ongoing experiment. And number one, there's not clear, there's clearly not just one way of doing things and achieving good results that, that that's clear. That's obvious. Um, but it's also clear that we don't know to this day we still don't necessarily know what the optimal way, either on an individual level, let alone on a collective level, we don't really know what the optimal way of doing things is. And that's even why, I mean, why do you even have uh, votes? Why do you even have political parties? Why do you even have different religions and different denominations, et cetera? It's because not everybody agrees on all of the on all of the same things, right? This person thinks this is the best way to do it. This is optimal. This other person thinks this. We each have their own thing. So I think the optimal you can achieve is is actually suboptimal because <laughs> it's not the optimal for everybody. I think the optimal you can achieve is what we were talking about earlier to loop it back around, which is freedom and liberty, right? Um, uh, where you you're not you're not harming other people. You're not taking other people's stuff. You have, you know, the good level of autonomy and freedom and liberty, et cetera. But within that, you are free to find and to practice your own your own way of doing things, right? 
I don't think that the, um, you know, I'm a Christian, but I wouldn't want the, I wouldn't want the state. I wouldn't want the government to mandate that people must go to church and people, and people must do this, right? I'd be the first person like saying, no, like that's a, that's a bad idea. I don't want to live in a absolute theocracy. Um, but people should be free to practice that. If you're Islamic and if you're Muslim and you want to go to the mosque, you absolutely should be free to do so. If you want to, you know, if you want to opt out of that whole thing, you should be free to do so. Like whatever, what, whatever way you want to live, if you want to go and take mushrooms and ayahuasca and go like sit on a mountaintop somewhere and meditate, hey, it's not what I want to do. But if that, you know, do I think someone should come and arrest you for it? No. I'll take your ticket. Yeah. <laughs> you know, do I think someone should come and come and arrest you for doing so? Absolutely yeah. not. You know, so yeah. that that's why with me, I'm very much like a, yeah, I like to use the term freedom maximalist. I'm, I'm I'm pretty close to that, and that doesn't mean that I don't think that there are ways of living that are far better than others, or I think that everything that should be legal is even good. Far from it. Um, but if you're going to have a free society, people need to be free to make decisions. And the, the, here's the part that people are really uncomfortable with. And again, you've really seen this highlighted over the past year and a half. A lot of people are afraid of the fact, a lot of people are afraid of freedom and liberty because they're afraid of other people's decisions. Mm-hmm. And I do yeah. understand that. I can I can empathize mm-hmm. with that, right? What's the argument What's the argument for so-called gun control in America, right? It's, well, well some people make bad decisions. And I'm like, I get that. You know, what's the argument against um, a lot of things, right? If, if if I think there should be no state level mask mandate, right? And someone else is like, oh, well, you know, if unless it's mandated, some people won't do it. And I'm like, well, firstly, I think they should be free not to do it if they don't want to. Um, that they're like, oh, well, you know, their decision could affect. It's like, dude, the truth is our, def- our decisions do affect each other no matter, <laughs> no, no matter what it is. There isn't really... Is another thing that's rarely acknowledged. Everything does have externalities. Everything does have externalities. There, there are few things that literally do not affect anybody else whatsoever in any way, shape, or form. Um, but again, if you're going to have a free society, I think that as long as those are not true infringements or putting other people in harm or danger or whatever, then we need to be truly tolerant and just be like, yeah, you know what? Some people are going to make decisions that I deeply disapprove of. Um, but with me, the line is like, okay, are you taking anybody's stuff? Are you harming someone? Are you killing someone? If the answer is no, then in most cases I will lean towards, okay, then it probably shouldn't be something that's like illegal. And if you do it, the government are going to come and kick your door down. Does that mean I approve of it? No. Right. (laughs) No, I know. No, it doesn't. But there's a difference between those two things. So I think that's sort of the best you can do, which is going to be suboptimal for everybody. But in with with that by being so, I think that's probably something approximating an optimal for how a society could be. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of making people uncomfortable, I th- <laughs> that, that, that would be. That, I think there'll be plenty of uh, of people, uh, let alone Bitcoiners, that would be uncomfortable with. Um, so, some of that, like particularly the word God and religion, it has so many connotations to people, right? It, but 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 to me, it's just it, it's a perfect example of how uh, bogged down we've become with semantics. Um, yeah, I I see plenty of. Um, so for for your information, I, I um, my wife and I and our little three year old, we live out in the middle of the forest in in the south of France. <clears throat> no man made sound, no neighbors. Um, 
it never ceases to amaze me how many of my friends, metropolitan atheists, come out to the forest, spend a couple of weeks here, and feel a profound connection to their environment around them. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, that to me is God. It, but but if you mm. if you use the the G word, um, it, it's something that that uh, sort of alienates a lot of people. But I, I really feel like, um, <laughs> but both on mushrooms, but also just living here in this sort of environment, so close to life and death every day, all around me. Um, you know, mm. um, and this is why I have so much um, optimism in in this sort of crazy world we find ourselves in because. You try to concrete over a forest floor and you will see mm. that nature always wins, right? I have, a, I have profound mm. faith in, in, in our life force, however you choose to define that, and, um, uh, and thus sure. us the people. Yeah, no, I was going to say it's funny that you, you bring up the semantics there because I, I know people who like, you know, I'll, 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 I'll use the word, you know, obviously I'll use the word God or I'll talk about uh you know, certain things in with just very clear and direct, you know, religious terms. And then someone else will be, you know, someone will be like, oh, I don't know about God or whatever. And then they'll start talking about like, you know, some people like the term the universe, but then they'll use the universe literally just as a substitute Mm for, (laughs) right. They'll be talking about the universe as if it's like some conscious, it's like a conscious being. And it's like, you know, I'm like, look, I don't, I don't, whatever semantics. Whatever semantics someone wants to go with, you know, like, I don't care. I'm going to say God because I, I believe in God. And the word God itself also, as you've alluded to already, it has different interpretations to different people. Even if you ask two people who are of the same religious faith what they mean when they say God, the answer could be could be different. And I think a lot of, um, certainly a lot of anti-theist type atheists, they like to use the dumbest interpretation of it or the most obvious, you know, they like to refer to God as, you know, you know sky daddy or like um you know like like everyone mm-hmm. like everyone who believes in god just thinks there's like a man sky in the sky a man, yeah. a man in the sky with a beard who's uh you know like zapping things with lightning bolts or whatever it's like you know if if, if that's the interpretation you want to use to make yourself feel smarter than then fine but a, a lot of people have a more sort of a more unknown or even just a more just like a more more complicated understanding of it like even when i myself say say god right like i do as a christian of course there's a a more sort of like personal sense to it you know it's like you know god the father god the son god the spirit but it's also like that itself to me could be a bit of a metaphor just for it to be like i don't even think that i think the concept of god is so huge and infinite and complicated that actually we as human beings can't totally understand it. Just like we can't totally understand infinity. So we all know what infinity is, but as a human being, nothing that we know is infinite, right? Like every, not really, right? Everything is does have a beginning, an end. So we know what infinity is. It's like, okay, it has no beginning and it has no end. But when you really sort of dwell on that idea, you end up kind of more confused because you're just like, well, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Like, how can something, you know, like, how can it not have a beginning? How can it not have an end? Because everything we know is, is really, really is is limited, right? It has like a, has a life, it has a start and end. It's more tangible. 
So to me, like God is like that. God is like the concept of infinity times multiple dimensions. So even when I'm saying the word God, like I don't really know exactly what that is like. And, and, and we can't know, you know, that's also the thing is that we can't know. So I always describe myself as, um, a humble believer, right? So yes, I, I, I do believe in God. Like I have faith, but I'm also humble enough to be like, Hey, I don't, <laughs> you know, there's like 8 billion people on this earth with, or on, in this world with different concepts. I'm not going to pretend that the, the way I express things or state things or understand them is absolutely the, 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 the correct answer. And that's exactly what it is. It's like, no, like I have humility in that. And I'm also willing to accept the concept that I could, I could be wrong, right? You know, I could die and, oh, there is no afterlife. I believe there is, but I'm humble enough to be like, wow, you know, like I'll live my life a, a certain way and I believe certain things, but we do not know. And any, anyone claiming to absolutely know, that's actually when I become more skeptical of people because there are just certain things. It's like, well, we, we don't know. That's why this whole field has existed for thousands and thousands of years and people have had different concepts of all of it. And we don't know. Um, hopefully when we die, we all get to find out. <laughs> but but until then we 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 honestly don't know that that's like the only honest answer is so you know and that's why it's called faith that's why it's belief because it's like you know when that's why when people are even like oh well you know if you believe in god like give me give me some mathematical proof of it i'm like dude you're missing the point <laughs> you know it's like, it's like, I, I i can't do that yeah no i, I suppose that's why I, I i don't particularly um um organized religion doesn't really chime with me because i i, mm. I don't need it defining you know i have had That's my fair. own experience i've had my own experiences and you, you know you uh, it some things don't need defining necessarily certainly not by others but but i think what we um mm. what we're sort of talking about and what everyone um is trying to to kind of uh, claw a bit off for themselves as purpose uh, and mm. and that's something that really seems to be missing right now so uh, on that note let me play uh, a quick clip from uh, your song moments because you've got to stand for something to stand for nothing so right here inside the sand i draw the line listen yo I'm waking up at seven, trying to make my niche richer. Losers hating from eleven, better off as ditch diggers. Got family up in heaven, and it makes me think bigger. So I'm plotting more than seven. Now I'm seeing six figures. It started as a vision, a dream, a premonition. So, for me personally, this thing to live, uh, live for, and aspire to is to is to build legacy for future mm -hmm. generations. Um, forget planting a tree whose shade you shall never enjoy i want to plant orchards you know mm. uh, of which fruits i shall never taste um for me my legacy personally will be one of love and freedom mm -hmm. and and bitcoin is a huge part of that what when you talk about thinking bigger you know being inspired by loved ones you uh, loved ones you've lost um what 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 is it that drives you what's your purpose and and, and what's the legacy that you want to leave behind mm. the legacy i want to leave behind is i want to be remembered as someone who had a positive impact and who inspired millions of people that's my goal 
Um, I know I've already done it with thousands. How many thousands? I do not know. Possibly it's already in the millions. I don't know. Um, but I want it to not be, I don't want that to be even debatable. I want to have such an impact on so many people on a deep enough level that people go, wow, you know, Zuby changed my life for the better in the way Jordan Peterson has done, right? You know, there are millions of people around the world who know and love Jordan Peterson and feel that in some way, shape or form, he has helped them to live a better life. I'm one of them. Um, I know plenty of people in that camp. And so I want to, I want to be someone who's ultimately remembered like that. Um, and like I've said, I feel like that's my duty. That's my, that's why I'm here. The, the translation of my name, um, the full version of my name, Zubi is actually so short for Unzubechuku, which actually means God's decision. So that's actually what my name means. Right? It means God's decision nice. or God's will. So I take that, I take that seriously as like, okay, I've got to do something. Um, I need to have an impact here. You know, I need to have an impact. I need to create something that lives on, create many things that live on even when I'm gone, right? Create things that live on, create art that lives on. Um, and, and like, as you said before, right, everything has a, everything has a ripple effect. Um, I don't have a family yet, but I will in the future. And when I do, um, you know, every, everything you do ripples, ripples outwards. Um, and when you recognize that, and you recognize that that happens both with positive things and negative things, I think it makes you live more. I think it makes you live better, and also just like you said, more with a more with a purpose, because you know, okay, as a father, you know, okay, your negative. If you do something negative, or you get very angry, or you lose your temper, or you say something, or do something you shouldn't, you know, okay, that doesn't just affect. That doesn't just affect me. That'll affect, um, you know, what if your what if your child sees that, right? And then they take on some of those behaviors, and then they go on and they inflict that on someone else, right? It, it ripples outwards. When the flip side, you do something positive, you instill great traits in them, uh, you know, you teach them good morals, all of that. You show them love, all of that. Then they'll go on, and when they're your age, they'll want to do the same thing, and it goes on. I think. Um, Man, I mean, that's something we don't even talk about, I think, enough in society is just how I think we all know that parenting and family is important, but I would actually say that it's understated, especially in the modern era, just how important it is because people don't think about this rippling. People think of it on a more individualistic level as like, okay, you know, that person's decent, that person's not, too, that person's not so decent, that person's an a-hole, whatever, but they're not thinking, oh, actually, that really that spreads out there, right? Like one bad person, like why do we even need, why do we even need criminal courts and prisons and jails and whatever? Vast majority of people are law-abiding. Vast majority of people have never hurt anyone, never raped anyone, never robbed anyone, never murdered. It's a very tiny percentage of people who do all of that. So that's like a great example of like a negative rippling out because it's only, you could have 1% of a society who are like criminal, shall we say, and that affects the other 99% to a significant degree. Now people need locks on their houses and people are buying guns and people need security and CCTV and we need police on the streets and we need these billions and billions of investment. Um, looking on a bigger scale, look at war, right? Like if people could just chill out a bit and get on with each other, like well, how many nukes do you need, right? Like why, why are we like stockpiling billions and billions of dollars and pounds worth of nuclear weapons and this, which everyone knows, like the goal is to never fire any of them. And it's like, man, how much, how many resources are just wasted on all of that? So I think on the flip side, you can also then see, okay, like 
someone who does good in the world and who does positive and tries to live well, or the more of us who do that, it, um, you know, that's the best way. That's truly the best way to make the world a better place. It's not by voting, getting your guy into the white house or into parliament or necessarily, you know, sometimes activism is necessary, but a lot of activism that we see these days is just really either it's sometimes it's directly harmful, you know, like I'd say something like the whole, like a defund and abolish the police movement, which has been taken off in the past year. I mean, you're seeing crime now going up in major American cities as a direct result of all of this. Like I'd say that's actually destructive activism. Um, but you know, there are times when activism is necessary, but I think even better, um, you know, those people who are active, you know, activating and doing their activism, how sorted are their own lives, right? As Jordan Peterson says, have, have they tidied their rooms? Have they cleaned, have they made their bed? In many cases, they haven't. In many cases, the people you see out yelling the most and doing the most, like they're the ones who just don't have anything, don't have anything together, you know? They haven't uh, sorted themselves out mentally, physically, spiritually, financially, family, relationships, like all of that stuff is a mess. And then they're running around on the streets to telling you how to how to live your life and what you should do and who you should vote for and what like, and there's, there's a level of audacity and narcissism in there, which I don't really, I'm not a fan of. And victimhood again. And victimhood again. Well, right? and yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Whereas with that person, I'd love to pull someone like that to the side and say, Hey man, like the best form of activism you can do is getting your own, <laughs> get it, getting your own stuff in order and then encouraging and helping other people to do the same in your community, in your family, if you have children, whatever it is, that's actually the best form of activism, as far as I'm concerned, that you can really do. Like I said, sure, there will be certain situations where it's like, okay, this is like a, you know, this this is something major, and people do sh should be out on the streets and protesting and whatever. But in many cases, I think a lot of that is a, it, it's a distraction from people taking that personal responsibility and going, hey, you know what, I'm a, I'm humble enough to know that I can't. You know, I've talked a lot in this podcast about how I want to impact the world in a positive way. But again, I, I'm humble enough to, you know, I'm cocky enough to know that I can do it and I'm going to do it and I'm doing it already. But I'm also humble enough to know that <laughs> I myself, I'm not the uh, sort of supreme leader of the world and I can only control myself. And the best that I can do is get my stuff in order and get my stuff sorted and do my best as a flawed human being to put out a positive message through my music, through my platforms, through my interviews, through my public speaking, whatever it is, and hopefully bring as many people as I can along for the ride so that I can, I can inspire them and then they can go on and they can inspire and help other people. And that chain just continues. Man, uh, they say good times create weak men and that weak men create hard times, that hard times create strong men and strong men create good times. Um, there's, um, it seems to me, Zuby, uh, you're one of those strong men that we need right now. And I'm, I'm really glad to be in the trenches with convicted and principled and, and honor driven people like yourself. Uh, I think, um, I have a, I have like many Bitcoiners, uh, an awful lot of faith in, in, in Bitcoin and this sort of, um, uh, moral gravity that it uh, that I see it imposing on mm. on, on on myself and, and and many many other people, but there is no doubt that we need a lot of uh, 
strong principled uh, men and women to 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 drive this uh, change that we all want to see so Thank man you. i've lo- i've loved chatting with you and i'm confident uh, confident that our li- listeners have to um go out and buy subi's new album the word of subi out soon 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 yeah i think <laughs> i think 18th, july really soon. july realistically i think Cool. Yeah. We'll have we'll have a month of, uh, of of pushing from from our side what we can. And uh, but man, thanks for coming on. And I'm gonna play play everyone out with a song from your album. Here is Hallelujah. Yo, if God is walking with me, then I don't care where the devil is. Hell will come upon us if we all forget where heaven is. They say good is evil and the Bible is irrelevant. But if we turn and start to hate our rivals, then the devil wins. Now they're trying to claim the most important thing is melanin. Keep us at each other's throats, they love it cause we never win. Say that men are toxic cause they trying to make us feminine. And lie to make us sick so they can sell the cure as medicine. Lyrically, I'm eminent, honest but a gentleman. Weapons formed against me never prosper cause I'm heaven sent. Pumping with adrenaline, uh, British or American uh, Send a man to war, but they won't care for every veteran Conquered segregation, now they push for separation yeah. A nation stands divided when there's no communication yeah. They always shift the culture before they shift the legislation So be careful what you're saying, this is more than entertainment, man Be careful what you're saying, this is more than entertainment, man You know they say that art imitates life Or maybe it's Life imitates art. Let me talk to him. Your nonsense isn't woke because you think you're better people. Your consciousness is broke. You don't see everyone as equal. So every virtue signals just a veil for all your evil. You can try to fool the wolf, but you can only fool the sheeple. Projecting every day it comes to race and you're obsessive. Uh And hating isn't great just because you label it progressive. Uh You say you love black people? Why you always get aggressive? When we say that we don't need you when your theories are oppressive. This industry is fake because so many hypocritical. Uh Claim to love diversity, but hate when it's political. Political. In every university, the privilege is liberal You can't be a conservative or even individual Call it anti-racist, but it's race discrimination You say all whites are racist, that's a racist accusation You think the black is lesser, so you lower expectations Always trying to be a savior, no one asked for your salvation, man <laughs> Always trying to be a savior, no one asked for your salvation, man oh, I'm so tired of these people <laughs> UK to USA. Hey, yo, Bryson, go get him. Somebody gotta do it. We live in this side of Mingle more, but worse. Isn't it obvious? Got who I rhyme with, and it's not about my accomplishments. You claim to be holy, but denying when there's an audience. You think it's God, and it's really you want to Satan's lobbyist. Speak my truth, and I never hide from it. They throw stones, I take the punches with confidence. They want war, I'm outside. What the problem is, they think they can beat God. Oh, so much cockiness. One day you the new Martin Luther, blue Malcolm X. Next day you talking about killing someone else with a tech. Then the next day bragging about how many women you sex You pro-black one day and killing babies the next The hypocrisy, I know it should bother me They can disrespect Jesus, but I can't criticize side of me I can't rap about politics, I can't talk about Cardi B Boy, I do what I want, no Michael Flynn, but I'm part of me And I'm in the pity, cause there's nothing they can all <laughs> I know it's over <laughs> Mega gang, cat gang, on gang The truth will be revealed, open your eyes